It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today on the show, we are looking at every position's positional battle going into training camp 2022, which is just days away from veterans reporting. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Thursday, July 21st, 2022. I'm your host, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today on the show, we're looking at the Dolphins depth chart, and we're asking ourselves, what is the first open position on the depth chart at that position? So is it left guard one? There is a positional battle to be had. Yes, there is. Is it Wide receiver, three. No, that position, in my opinion, is closed. So kind of just looking at the depth chart and defining expectations for what positional battles actually exist within the roster. Some of that, guys to make the team. Some of that, guys to earn and and command and keep playing time. So two different ways in which you could choose to look at this. And I think this is going to be a really fun exercise for us to work our way through. So... Uh, That is what we are doing today on the show. We're going to let it rip, buckle in, let's get after it. Of course, we do have rookies uh, who this week have already reported to camp. Some of them will be players that we end up talking about throughout the course of the day today. Uh, And then early next week, you have veteran players for the Dolphins that arrive, report to camp And then the week after that is kind of where you see everybody hit the ground and public practices and uh, the intensity really ramps up. The cruel irony of all of this (laughs) is we're going to start with quarterback. And there's three quarterbacks on the offseason roster. Tua Tungvaloa, Teddy Bridgewater, and Skylar Thompson. Kyle, where is the positional battle here for the Dolphins? I don't think one exists. I think Tua Tungavaloa is your incumbent starter, no questions asked. Teddy Bridgewater signed with the expectation to be the backup, and with Skylar Thompson being a seventh-round pick versus Teddy Bridgewater and his experience in the NFL and the financials in which he's getting paid, that's not a that's not a spot on the depth chart that's up for debate. Now, Skylar Thompson will have the chance to really blow the team away to earn himself a active roster spot and keep and carry three quarterbacks. So it's Skylar Thompson effectively versus his, himself is the positional depth chart battle to watch for the Dolphins. It's not Teddy performs better than Tua. Do we need to make a decision? That, that's not the vibe. 
right? And lots of times you'll get the coach speak and you'll get talking around in circles. This is not one of those cases. Now, if we get into the season and Tua Tungvalu gets hurt, Teddy Bridgewater steps in, okay, he's going to be the starter for whatever period of time that would command. But that is the only situation in which I would think you would see Teddy Bridgewater as the team's starting quarterback in 2022. The running back position. Um, yeah, I mean, the position battles start all the way up at RB1, in my opinion, on the death chart. Because, yes, you, you have paid Chase Edmonds enough money to think he's probably going to command a large work share. But Raheem Mostert, when healthy, had his most productive years in the NFL and had really dynamic play under Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And then Sony Michelle is probably more of a fringe contender, and I think his his financials of his contract would, would indicate that to you as well. But regardless... I do think Sony Michelle has a, a case to make depending on the health of Raheem Mostert to find himself a spot on the roster. And that does not even get into um, the positional battle on the bottom four guys, too. So I think you have two positional battles at the running back room going into camp to be mindful of. Edmonds versus Mostert versus Michelle who is RB1 and who is going to separate themselves out of that group, and I think that's a wide-open debate. And then your next one is Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, Jared Dokes, Zaquandre White. You're probably going to keep one of those guys. Game on. Maybe two if you stash one on the practice squad. But you've got two very crowded subsections of your running back room. That as training camp starts, just know it, right, and be ready because that is, uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the deeper, more fascinating running back rooms because there's battles on both ends of the spectrum, including just getting onto the park. Look at the wide receiver room. Uh, there, there's no debate. You know, wide receiver one and wide receiver two is technically more of a wide receiver one A and wide receiver one B uh, in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I don't mean that from a accolades and accomplishments perspective. I mean that from like their priority within the offense. And I do think, you know, obviously Miami paying Tyreek what, what they're paying him, he's going to be a focal point. You're going to manufacture, make sure they get the manufactured touches for him. But depending on what the opposing defense throws at you any given week, I think you have the chance to see you know, either one of them interchangeably serve as, as the leading touch player and target player on the team. But Tyreek Hill's the more accomplished player. I think he, he's your 1A. I think Jalen Waddell, uh, with his chemistry as Tua, is your 1B. I don't think wide receiver 3 is up for debate either with what you're paying Cedric Wilson and the vision that they had and looking for more run after catch. Uh, I think those, those three guys and, and their statuses for the Dolphins are, are pretty well established, and I don't think they're particularly negotiable. We've talked a lot about uh, the bottom group. Uh, I do think Eric Ezukanma kind of defaults to wide receiver four just because you have a high confidence level. He's going to make the team as a fourth-round pick this year. 
So now you got wide receiver five, wide receiver six, and you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So this is a little bit more traditional as far as battles go, right? Like the 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 starters are established. We know who they are, but you got seven guys for probably two spots. Who's gonna take what? And then there is the subsection of like who is gonna be the fourth who's gonna be the third outside wide receiver? Will that be Cedric Wilson? Will Eric Azukama push for those reps? Will Trent Sherfield and his familiarity push for those reps? Can Preston Williams take a big leap versus the intermittent flashes we've seen for three seasons? But I think all of your positional battles in the wide receiver room happen after the third player on the depth chart. So if you're if you're into those kinds of storylines, if you're into guys that are hustling and fighting and trying to make it onto the roster, that wide receiver room is going to be a great place for you to be because Cody Core, River Craycraft, Raylan Sanders, uh, Preston Williams, Trent Sherfield, Limbo and Jr., Devontae Dedman, you're going to get probably two. Shoot, you might get one. I doubt you'll get three, not with, not with carrying a fullback and all the tight ends you have on the roster. Speaking of tight ends, I think you have enough subsections here that, um, but, but the Dolphins paying what they're paying and being invested in the way that they are. You've got six tight ends on the roster, but I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room here, personally. Mike Gusecki is such an interesting skill set that I think he stands kind of in his own case as the hybrid player hybrid receiver tight end big slot type you know you can use him in the run game detached from the set but you're still going to need somebody who can win while having his hand in the dirt we talked about this last week about the the strengths and weaknesses of Durham Smythe as a player uh, somebody who's probably better utilized as an h-back role uh, who could kind of overlap with those tight ends from time to time and be kind of that ambiguous, movable tight end in 12 that you can kind of play with from a personnel perspective in the same light of how Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan used Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, in San Francisco. Now, is Smythe going to get pure fullback reps? I don't know. be really interesting. But I think that's where he wins as compared to the third subsection of the tight end room, Hunter Long being the guy who plays with his hand in the dirt. And I think that's where the positional battles start between him and Adam Shaheen. Who's going to be the predominant Y tight end inline player? I think Hunter Long, based on his draft status and Adam Shaheen being an expiring contract and some of the uh, lack of consistency with Shaheen during his time in Miami. I think Long will take that positional battle running away, but I do think that is where the positional battles start. And Seaton Carter, I think, is in a positional battle with Durham Smythe to kind of take some of those complementary reps. Uh, but Durham just getting a new contract, I don't think that's particularly open. Like, right? Like, I think you can read the tea leaves and see how the Dolphins are paying their players and say, yeah, well. Uh, I think that pretty much speaks for itself. Also speaking for itself is Built Bar, uh, the world's most delicious protein bar, in my opinion. Um, 
Bill Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are high in fiber, uh, high in protein, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. And here's the deal. Right now, you can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The offensive line. It seems like positionally we have a couple guys that are locked in. Robert Hunt at right guard seems locked in. Teron Armstead at left tackle is non-negotiable. Connor Williams is going to have a starting spot, but it appears to be at center. I think you could make a reasonable case that Michael Dieter and Connor Williams can have a center one training camp battle in which would cascade into Connor potentially playing left guard. But all of the momentum that's been here for Connor, it, it makes me feel like that's not really a positional battle that the team is willing to entertain. And because of that, it really closes the door on all of your potential starting player battles. It's just who's going to start where. I don't genuinely think Keon Smith or Adam Pankey or Larnell Coleman is going to push Austin Jackson at right tackle. Or even Greg Little or Kellen Deesh. Liam Eikenberg could... But Liam Eikenberg's currently needed at guard unless Michael Dieter pushes Liam at guard or Dieter pushes Connor Williams to guard from center. It's a really complicated assessment uh, because the team has had the path that it has on the offensive line. But I think everything starts in the middle and pushes out from there. The team seems intent on wanting Connor to take that spot, but if he, if the Dolphins get performances that, that prompt them to feel more comfortable about the positional flexibility and potentially push Connor Williams back to center or back to, to left guard from center, then I think that opens up your positional battles to say, okay, you know, you can have two guys really going at it at right tackle in Liam and Austin Jackson and go from there. Uh, so I, I, I think everybody, everything starts with that center position and what direction they choose to go. I will classify it as a positional battle going into camp that's open, but I don't think it's one that's going to be as open for the coaches as it is for us evaluating the team from the outside and not having been a part of the offseason program. Defensively, uh, I can tell you there's there's no positional battle for nose tackle one. It's Raquan Davis's job. Uh, 
And John Jenkins as a veteran player versus Benito Jones as a UDFA, I don't think his backup, there's any debate either. I think defensively, so much of this team and the infrastructure is returning, and the young players overtook the the incumbents last year. I think you you only have so many opportunities to look at each room and open yourselves for, well, maybe so-and-so can do more this year, right? Adam Butler, for example, he's not going to push for a starting job on the line. He's a sub-package, scheme-specific player who contributes on obvious passing downs with the pressure packages. We know this. Emmanuel Agba is going to reduce down inside and play head up or inside shaded in a four-eye on offensive tackles in some situations. And when the Dolphins get out of their bare front, then he is going to push outside, and he's going to be more of your traditional outside rush defensive end. We know that that structure and pecking order for the Dolphins exists already. I'd love to see Zach Sealer get into a positional battle with somebody, but if you're going to play a base 3-4 defense, base odd front defense, you don't have a spot. you got a nose tackle, you got Christian Wilkins, you got Emmanuel Agba, and then you got rush linebackers outside of that, and you're going to probably in some cases help Melvin Ingram and Jalen Phillips and Andrew Van Geekel. And if you want to go heavy, it can be Brennan Scarlett, right? Like, there's more interchangeability based on game situation, personnel packages, opponents, all that stuff on the defensive side of the ball. So I can go through and say, yeah, you know, your base ends and your odd front, Christian Wilkins and Emmanuel Agba. Those positional battles, those positional snaps, are, or that starting role is not up for debate. Your nose tackle, the role is not up for debate. I do think you have a couple in the backer group. Uh, I think Jalen Phillips is an incumbent starter who's going to be an unquestioned starter going away no matter what. Is Andrew Van Ginkle going to be the other starting player? Is Melvin Ingram going to be the other starting player? Is that going to go week by week? If it's first and 10, is one of these more heavy-handed guys going to serve in that role? I do think the rush backer spot opposite Phillips is at least open enough based on the role that you might want Melvin Ingram to fill for your roster versus Andrew Van Ginkle and his speed and, and range as an athlete in space, just don't take him in that uh, zone drops, please. I think that is a edge one, or I guess technically edge two behind Jalen Phillips, but a starting edge role is an open position for positional value, uh, for a positional battle, in the same way that I, I classify Elena Roberts's spot as a stack linebacker on the second level as an open spot in the starting lineup because you, your top pick, Channing Tindall, can be a massive game changer for how your defense works with his range, explosiveness, 
pass drop and zone right and zone drop and pass rush ability that for me is enough for this position to be open and for this to be a positional battle to watch in the same way that Ingram versus Van Ginkle like there's a couple of top of the depth chart availability battles that I think exist here and then you get into Cameron Good versus Brennan Scarlett on like the depth component right um I think the presence of guys like Van Ginkle and Melvin Ingram and Jerome Baker having some outside backer flexibility and Sam McGuavin, I think those guys being able to fill so many different roles kind of closes the door on like the, hey, who's the, is there somebody who's really going to push to make the roster otherwise uh, in the, the linebacker room? So I don't think you have that kind of scrap to get on I don't expect you'll see Darius Hodge make the roster I don't expect you'll see DeAndre Johnson make the roster I don't expect that Porter Gustin will ultimately end up on the active roster I don't think Calvin Munson's on the active roster it's Tyndall versus Roberts Van Ginkle versus Ingram and Scarlett versus Good for me are your your linebacker positional battles is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In the secondary, CB1 is not up for debate. CB2 is not up for debate. CB3, Nick Needham, in my opinion, is not up for debate. In the same way that I think the wide receiver battle starts at wide receiver four, I think the same can be said for your corners. Now, you've got no Igbenogany, Keon Crossan, Trill Williams, Quincy Wilson, Elijah Campbell, Elijah Hamilton, D'Angelo Ross, Kador Kuhu. Those are the names. Who's CB4 out of that group? Noah Benogany obviously has the inside track as a player who was a first-round pick just a couple years ago, but I don't think that is elementary, open and shut, and I think Trill Williams is physically talented enough to have a say in that. Quincy Wilson, once upon a time, was a second-round draft choice. Elijah Campbell's a really good athlete. The team's paying Keon Crossan a fair amount of money of free agency this year. Was that for teams, or was that also to be a depth outside corner? I think CB4, and then you get into the numbers game of how many corners you're going to carry, right? And you're probably going to carry Elijah Campbell or Trill Williams, one of those guys, for a special teams value. In the same way that you're going to carry Keon Crossan's going to command snaps on special teams. But if you go Howard, Jones, Needham, Igbenogany slash Crossan based on investments the teams have in them, that's five. You might get one more. You will get one more for teams' perspective. 
Well, you get two. So now it's Trill, Quincy, Cater, Elijah, Elijah, and D'Angelo for maybe one spot. So that wide receiver and corner parallel that exists there, I think that that's where your positional battles going into camp exist for you as a Dolphins fan to look for and watch in the offseason or in the training camp reports. And lastly, we have safety. There's no specialist battles here other than who's going to return kicks. But Thomas Morstead's your punter. Blake Ferguson's your long snapper. Jason Sanders is your kicker. Safety, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones. I think those two are set in stone. Eric Rowe, with his the pay investment that he has, will be no lower than your third safety, and he's also somebody who can contribute in a lot of different ways from a coverage perspective and some man-to-man coverage against tight ends. That's your safety three. Now, you're probably going to get one more guy on the roster. You got Clayton Fejdelum, Sheldrick Redwine, Verone McKinley. That is a dogfight to make the roster, in my opinion, between those three guys. Who gets it done? We'll find out. But uh, that that was our walkthrough, the entirety of the Dolphins' depth chart, looking at where positional battles start at each position group for the Dolphins with training camp starting for all Dolphins players tomorrow. We've made it. The bridge has been gapped. We have survived the doldrums of July. (laughs) Tomorrow is Friday on the show. We have a good concept plan. Make sure you come back, see us again tomorrow. I am Kyle Krabs. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it. Make it a great Thursday, and I'll talk with you all again tomorrow. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.